Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonix therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're talking NFL wildcard playoff weekend and giving you our picks. We're bringing in a Dallas Cowboys insider. And uh, we're also going to talk coaching carousels and candidates for every team, as well as maybe some Major League Baseball. We'll see what we get to today. But that and so much more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. I'm Vince Stover. I'm joined as I am most weeks by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great tonight. Boy, a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, yeah, there has been a fair amount. Uh, I've been watching uh, Croquet. No, I'm just kidding. I've not been watching <laughs> Croquet, but uh, a lot of football stuff going on. Uh, playoffs getting ready to start up. We got a little bit of Major League Baseball movement as well, uh, which is always fun. And uh, so we will uh, be talking about that possibly here in just a few minutes. And then uh, we're going to be talking possibly college football as well. Some negative news in the world of the college football playoffs and possibly the expansion not happening, at least as soon as we thought it would. So uh, that'll be interesting to see where all that stuff shakes out as well. But uh, I want to get into the NFL and with the playoffs starting uh, here this week, Dad, uh, a lot of games. They start Saturday. They run through Monday uh, this year as well, so plenty of football throughout the weekend. Uh, is there anything just off the top uh, here that gets you super excited about the playoffs for this first round? I know when the Packers play, there's that, but uh, for the first round, what what kind of stands out to you as something that's that's exciting? Well, there should be some really good games. I think there's there's some even real evenly matched ones that could go either way. And like I said, this first weekend is just setting things up, um, you know, for for next week, which of course then the number one seeds get back involved in it. And um, 
you know, should should be some really good games. There are some teams that have played really well but have had the off games. So I, I think when you look at this, it's, it's fairly wide open. I mean, there are some favorites, but I think the games will all be interesting to watch because I think it's hard to say, well, absolutely, you know, that team is going to win and not have a chance. I think there's a couple of really big underdogs, um, the seven seeds, and we've I've kind of said that all season, and when you got to the seventh seed this year, probably wasn't going to be really good teams. And uh, that may be the case. But again, anything can happen. These teams have both gotten there, went through some adversity to get there. So I think it'll be fun to watch because I, I think, um, you know, these are pretty wide open in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Eagles uh, all have coaches who are in the uh, – and the Cardinals? No, I'm not sure. They all have coaches who are in the playoffs for the first time. Uh, then you've got uh, one rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. You've got – uh, Joe Burrow, who's never been there as well. Uh, some interesting games. Then you got Ben Roethlisberger. Um, he's playing Sunday night against the Chiefs. He's back by miraculous reasons. I mean, is there any team less deserving of the playoffs than Pittsburgh? Um, no, but again, I mean, to say less deserving, they got there from that standpoint. I mean, um, you know, this is kind of Rothenberger's swan song. If there was ever a team of destiny, now, I don't think that the destiny is going to go much further, but uh, it, it's an interesting story. Here's a guy that has been a great quarterback and, you know, his last year and all of a sudden, wow, they make the playoffs. So I don't think it'll go much further than that. But uh, and Philadelphia has been so shaky. It's, it looked like several times they didn't have a chance. And then all of a sudden looked like they were going to challenge for the division. So, you know, you just don't know there either. And um, talk about quarterbacks haven't been in the playoffs. I guess Jalen Hurts probably hasn't been either. So nah, he's been into the college football playoffs. It's the same thing, right? Well, uh, pretty much. <laughs> the SEC, he's ready to go. Um, back to Ben Roethlisberger. Do you think he actually wanted to make the playoffs? Do you think he thought, okay, I win my my last game, I can I can walk off in the sunset. Now he's got to go and uh, get his rear end whooped by Kansas City again and leave with his head down. Uh, do you think Roethlisberger wanted to make the playoffs, or do you think he was happy with walking off a winner? I think he wanted to win watching the game. It seemed like he was very motivated and very excited. And yeah, I know he wanted to win. The question is, did he want to make the playoffs? Yes, I, I I think so. I think you want to in that position. You want to go as far as you can. I guess I don't know. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, but I will. Uh, speaking of deserving or undeserving teams, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. But in order to do that, we had to bring in a guest, and so we have uh, we have dug in the deepest dumpsters to find the uh, Dallas Cowboys insider. And I put parentheses around that, by the way. Uh, but uh, maybe an outsider. Dallas Cowboys outsider, our friend Matt Downs, joins us uh, today. Matt, thanks for being with us. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, I, I'm sure you are. That's exactly what uh, Dak Prescott said uh, when he made it to the playoffs this year. No, I'm just kidding. I, I have been pretty positive with Dallas this year. Dad has not been very positive. Not at all. I mean, he just said Philadelphia challenged for the division. We had a three-game lead. <laughs> uh yeah uh challenged for something uh but uh nonetheless dallas is here i wanted to bring you on matt because as a dallas fan you know we look back through 
uh, history. It's been since 1995 that Dallas has went past the divisional round, uh, but they've been to the playoffs several times. Last time was in 2018, so it's been a couple of years. But I mean, this team, uh, from a from a person who's not a fan of Dallas, I look at this team this year. I go, okay, Dak Prescott, he's a top tier quarterback, not like. Brady Rogers top tier, but he's in that, uh, that next level of quarterbacks. You've got receivers that are phenomenal. You've got a running back who played well this year after a couple of years of taking a break. But, um, and then you got Super Bowl winning head coach and Mike McCarthy that's there. Um, what's the confidence level in Dallas, Dallas fans right now? I think we're pretty positive, but that's typical for us Dallas fans. We're very optimistic. We go by feelings, not by facts. And uh, so I'm excited. We're, we got a pretty good team. Dak is definitely streaky. And I think if we get going right off the bat, um, offensive-wise, put some pressure on Garoppolo, I think we got a pretty good chance coming out of San Francisco. And, I mean, even your dad, like Mike McCarthy, a few years back. And so <laughs> I thought he'd be a little optimistic about that, but apparently not. All right, so let's talk about Mike McCarthy. Dad, I want to start with you. Mike McCarthy, uh, he won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Um, I told you uh, about two years before he got fired, he needed to be fired, but uh, you felt like, no, no, he should stick around for a while. Are you still high on Mike McCarthy as a head football coach? I think he's definitely a good football coach. I don't know if there's anything about, you know, any doubt about that. Um, I said all along, I didn't see how he fit in Dallas with Jerry Jones. It just doesn't seem like um, that would be the greatest fit long term. I think he's a good football coach, uh, no doubt about it. But um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, you know we'll, we'll see. Again, I mean, obviously, if he was an outstanding coach, he'd still be at Green Bay. So, um <laughs> And um, and some of that was knowing how to relate to everyone and situations like that. But, um, you know, I think McCarthy is a good football coach. You know, he knows football, no doubt about that. And um, it's just like I said, to me, it wasn't a great fit. I even heard talk this week, you know, um, you know, because he called the plays in Green Bay and he doesn't call the plays there. And, you know, so exactly, you know, how is that going to go? How does he fit with that? Um, I heard it talked about it, you know, for, for him, it'd probably be good for more Kellen Moore to get a head coaching job than he could go back to, you know, running everything. I mean, they go, what, 12 and five this year. I think Kellen Moore's doing okay. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe better than what McCarthy would do. Matt, let's talk about Mike right. McCarthy. Um, how confident are you in his coaching abilities? And uh, he's kind of, you know, made fun of by pretty much everybody uh, that's, you know, sits on their couch. But uh, uh, how do Dallas fans or you in particular feel about Mike McCarthy? Uh, I know he's trying hard with the analytics thing. Hmm. And I can take it or leave it. I, I understand sometimes you make the decision because the numbers say go for it. But during the season, I think he took fourth downs and we messed us over a little bit because we should have just punted and not worried about the analytics. So I think he's a little hung up on those things. He's hung up on big terms. I heard the ozone for the very first time from him uh, the other day uh, when it was in the red zone. So he has all these different weird terms. And sometimes I think he's trying just a little bit too hard. And uh, I, I like him. You know, I think Kellen Moore, he can get a little stale in the offense. I think sometimes that could happen. Um, 
But, hey, we're doing a lot better than we were a few years ago with Jason Garrett, so I can't complain too much. All right, so let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. You've got a guy that may be the defensive rookie of the year, maybe be the uh, defensive player of the year, at least in the NFC. you got two guys on defense that have really stood out this year. And then you got Dan Quinn, the former head coach in Atlanta, uh, who is being interviewed for jobs for head coach again. And uh, he's really bolstered that defense. The defense was a top 10 defense this year in Dallas. And it seems like to me, the two things that hinge on the success of Dallas right now is Dak Prescott and then the defense playing top 10 kind of defense. So uh, how exciting was it to see Dan Quinn come in this year? And were you optimistic? You said usually you are with Dan Quinn's hire coming into the, to the new season at the beginning of this year. Well, anybody can walk in and be the better defensive coordinator than what we had. I mean, that was, that was terrible. Um, But so I was really excited that we had somebody else. And uh, I think he brings in a lot of energy. I really like him. I I do think oftentimes with NFL, it comes down to getting the right players um, and not having Jalen Smith. Now I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame Irish fan, so I love Jalen Smith, but um, he's no Micah Parsons and he's, this is a Dallas Cowboy fan talking, but I, I think he's the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. So I think he's doing doing real well. I think that really helped. And uh, we got some people healthy. Demarcus Lawrence is playing really good football right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I love it. Uh, Dan Quinn is a guy that, as a head coach, I always kind of questioned, uh, although he made it to a Super Bowl, so you got to give him credit for that. Uh, as a defensive coordinator, though, I always loved, and I thought he was a great hire from McCarthy and Dallas when they brought him in. Um, and Michael Parsons, I thought was a good draft, but I didn't didn't realize he was going to be as good as he was or is, I guess, as well. Uh, Dak had almost forty five hundred yards this year, thirty seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. Yet some people, like that guy, uh, keep saying, "Oh, he's not, he's not any good. He's not any good." Yeah. Dad, before, I, before I go, continue this. You like Mike McCarthy, but you think Dallas is no good. So what is it that you're holed up with Dallas this year? Uh, again, I, I I just don't think they're proof. I don't think they're going to make a run at the Super Bowl, which is what you said. They were a Super Bowl caliber team all year, and I, I have not thought that. So um, the hang up. What is it? That and they've, been, they've been very up and down. Even the defense hasn't dominated every game there and um again it just you know i mean the media the media couldn't wait for dallas to start to have a good team because this is american team even though finally you don't hear that a whole lot anymore but um it just i guess the hype is just hard for me um they do have some very good players no doubt about that this parsons has really really come on of course you know we talked about him for the draft and we're very high um on him but like i said he's probably better um, you know, been more dominant than we would have thought. Okay. Uh, so basically you're just annoyed by the media and that's why, and they're inconsistent. That's those are your, okay. Uh, back to Matt, Dak Prescott, 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The stat line's good, but granted he's not played great every game. And even as of late, it hasn't been, hasn't been great. Uh, they're playing San Francisco. San Francisco has an okay defense as well. Uh, do you expect Dak to come out uh, just on fire, or do you think it's going to be a game that you kind of have to sludge through? I would. I think it could go either way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he 
comes out and he throws it all over the field. He is streaky. Um, so is Tony Romo. He was streaky too, but I feel like I had a little bit more trust in Tony's throwing ability. Mm. It seems like to me uh, the wide receivers and Dak this late in the year, they're not on the same page sometimes. And it seems like mm. it will go two or three series or like, why is CD lamb running that way? And Dak threw the other way, you know? <laughs> and so if everybody could get on the same page and we get some good break on playing calls, I think we have a shot to to run it. I, I'm not high on Garoppolo, especially, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have a thumb or whatever. So <laughs> that that should help us, you know. So if we could get some pressure on him, um, I, I can think we could run up the score a little bit. But if all of a sudden we go out and we get a three and out, and every time that happens against a good team, I think to myself, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> and Dak's stat line is deceiving because we'll get down by two or three touchdowns and then he'll start throwing it all over the field. And then he'll, that's how his stats keep coming up, you know? So, um, Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake. Isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. And then we still lose. I mean, we make it close, but we still lose. So That's reminiscent of Green Bay the last couple years of Mike McCarthy, too. Uh, Get behind early and then throw in everywhere, and all of a sudden it looks good. And everybody's like, oh, greatest offense ever. (laughs) And and the reality was it was really bad early on. Now, Zeke had a better year this year than he had uh, in a recent couple of years. Uh, is Zeke fully back? Is he, is he, are you fully confident in his, his abilities again? Uh, no, um, but the, he doesn't wear long sleeves anymore. And so he didn't get all the fumbles didn't happen this year once he went back to short sleeves. So I, I appreciate that about him. He can move the pile again. The last two years, he never moved the pile. Um, and that's why we really need Tony Pollard to be that speed back and Zeke can wear him down a little bit. So uh, that's why we need both guys. Yeah. Having that one, two punch, uh, Zeke had just over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns, Pollard 719 yards, only two touchdowns, but that one, two punch at running back is the way to go in the NFL right now. And the teams that have two running backs. Pollard could have a lot more touchdowns. It's just every time it's on the one yard line, Zeke gets it. And the yeah. only way Pollard gets us there. So Yeah. The guy that I liked the most that I was high on coming into the year was the tight end Schultz. Uh he ended up with seventy catches, seventy-eight catches, eight hundred and eight yards, and eight touchdowns. Um he's not quite witten, but he's uh he's definitely making his presence known on the team. How encouraging because it's been a couple of years since it seems like, at least in my opinion, that Dallas has had a uh, an effective tight end. Yeah, I, I thought Blake Jarwin was going to be the guy. That's what they kept telling us. Then he got injured. 
I think it was an accident we got Schultz and how good he's done. And he can even take hits, too. He's been taking hits and still catching the ball. And, uh, yeah, he's done real well. And having Jarwin back is going to help us, too. But um, Schultz is definitely the better tight end. Yeah, not that I like to pat myself on the back, but if you go back and listen to our August episode, the NFC East preview, uh, I, I said Schultz was a guy to watch for, I'm talking fantasy football, actually, uh, was a guy to watch for in that as well. All right, Matt, uh, Dallas versus San Francisco. Dallas leads the all-time series 19-17-1. They lead the playoff series 5-2. and two. Um, How... Uh, I mean, it's a three point. They're, they're saying, uh, Dallas a three point favorite, which basically means because they're at home, they're supposed to win. And other than that, they're relatively even, at least according to the professionals. Um, are you thinking this is going to be a close game? I know you said it can go either way, but, uh, your final prediction coming into this weekend for Dallas versus San Francisco. I think we'll get them by a touchdown. I'm thinking it'll be a more, more like 24 17, something like that. That would be my guess. Uh, I would love it that we could run up the score like we did on Philadelphia's backups, but, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see for sure. Shanahan uh, has, you know, he's he's a very smart coach and has had a lot of success in the early rounds of the playoffs especially. So, uh, Dad, anything else for Matt? Uh, no, I know you visited the stadium there in Dallas. Have you been to a game there? No, I have not. Um, I was I was wondering about home field advantage in all of these games, and I know that's a huge stadium. Of course, holds a lot of people, but I, I don't hear or seem like as much about the home field advantage. Or I don't. I wondered if maybe because it's so big, um, you know, it doesn't. It's not as loud as some of the ones that have you know end zones close or whatever. Um, I I, do, I just wondered about that. Um, it doesn't seem like you hear as much about. You know, while they're playing in Dallas, so that's that's such a strong home field advantage as you hear of some of the other places. Yeah, I think I think you got a point there. Um, I do know they're trying. Uh, Jerry's trying to get a hundred thousand in for this weekend, and also we're doing a whiteout, and that's the first time I heard of that in a long time. And uh, they're all really pushing on social huh. media um, that not to sell your tickets to 49er fans because they're nervous that that's going to happen. And uh, I think Dallas fans in the stadium are normally people are not, are not screaming their head off. And I think that's why people can come in and do fine. I mean, the, the first day we finally got that stadium open, Eli Manning threw all over us. And so it's always sort of been that way in that stadium. But I think they're going to try to make a push to get people out. I think with not being in the playoffs since 2018, um, it's, it's, the fandom should be high. I think the, the playoff atmosphere should be good in Dallas. Um, if it was a deal where they were like New England and they were there every year for, you know, the last 20 years, then maybe, maybe it would not be quite as energetic. But I, I have a feeling all the home fields this, this, uh, playoffs, uh, are going to be pretty rocking, especially with last year, you know, being not quite as full in most, not, not in Dallas, I guess, but in, in a lot of other places. So should be good. Oh, Matt, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that uh, your team made it into the playoffs, won the division, uh, even though they were tightly contested by Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> That's right. But, uh, we run the East. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I appreciate you coming on. I know you listened to some of the shows and, and uh, excited for uh, for all fans this time of year when their team makes it. I talked with a San Francisco fan today, 
Um, and he had more confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo than he's had in all the other times I've talked to him. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, nonetheless, it's going to be a good time in the playoffs. But Matt, thank you for joining us tonight. We sure appreciate you coming on. Good to see you all. Thanks again. All right. Have a good one. All right. That's our friend, Matt Downs. He is from uh, Tennessee. We've known Matt for a long time and we sure appreciate him taking the time to come in. Dad, we had a comment on ColorCast. Uh, thank you for tuning in on ColorCast. Those that are uh, predictions, San Francisco pulls a 27-21 upset uh, is the is what came in there on ColorCast. So uh, we'll see. We'll get to our picks here in just a second. Uh, from there, actually, let's get straight to our picks, Dad. As we get into the uh, NFL playoffs, we're going to be talking about coaching carousel here coming up next. But uh, let's get and We even have a comment already about the uh, Texans head coach. We'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But uh, let's get in straight to our picks. We're going to uh, just pick straight up winners here throughout the playoffs. And uh, we'll get the repick each week in case we get them wrong the first time. But, Dad, let's start with the Saturday game. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, you are a uh, a resident of Ohio near Cincinnati. And uh, so here we sit. Cincinnati is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Las Vegas Raiders, who uh, earned their way into the playoffs by beating the Chargers in a overtime thriller. Um, Bengals have looked good. They got Joe Burrow. They've got Jamar Chase. They got T. Higgins. They got Tyler Boyd. But they also have a coach that's never been there before and a defense that isn't great. Then you go to Las Vegas, and they barely have a coach. Um, uh, They uh, have a good quarterback, but they don't have a lot of talent around them. Waller's been injured. Jacobs hasn't been good this year. The defense has had moments where they played well. Cincinnati hosting the game. Which way do you lean? Two 10-7 teams, Cincinnati and Vegas. Where do you go? I think Cincinnati, again, they're at home. I think you, you brought up the big questions, though. They have a coach that hasn't been in that situation. They have a quarterback that hasn't been in that situation. But they have played awfully good this year. Um, so, I, again, they're playing at home. And like you said, Vegas, I think Vegas may, you know, they have a quarterback that's really played well. Carr has. And I think he's proven he can lead the team. And they have rallied around the interim coach, no doubt about that. So, um, I guess it wouldn't be a total shock, but I think Cincinnati, you know, we've talked, I think they can make a run for it. And um, I think they ought to win this game. Yeah, I agree. You know, I joked about it with Jalen Hurts, but honestly, Joe Burrow, his experience at LSU um, is as close to NFL playoffs as you can get. I mean, taking the team undefeated through the SEC, through the SEC championship game, through the college football playoffs and ultimately winning the national championship. Uh, I know people who don't like the SEC really just, uh, you know, shudder at the, when we talk about the SEC being great, but it is different there. And uh, that experience will help Joe Burrow be ready for this game. Now, on the other hand, I don't trust the coach, but I don't trust Vegas as coach either. So uh, when it comes down to it, I look at talent. I'm going Cincinnati as well. Um, I think that's the best best place to go. Another comment on ColorCast comes in. Raiders got the best slot receiver in Hunter Renfro. So Vegas, 28-24. Uh, he does have a, a caveat saying Cup doesn't count as a slot receiver since he really plays everywhere. So Hunter Renfro, best slot receiver in the NFL? Uh, no, but uh, but he's played well. I think Vegas keeps this one close. I think they have an opportunity to win this game. But I think there's just a little too much talent. I think Cincinnati should be able to put up plenty of points 
to win this game. So we'll both go Cincinnati. Uh, game number two on Saturday is the uh, third time this season that they'll meet. The Buffalo Bills will host the New England Patriots. Buffalo comes in a four-point favorite, of course. The immediately thought goes to the last time they played at Buffalo. Uh, New England threw the ball three times, only completed two passes, and still beat Buffalo. Uh, but Buffalo came back and beat New England at New England as well. Uh, what do you think about this game? What direction will it head? And what are the key factors of this game? Well, I think, um, again, I would pick Buffalo, but New England has been surprising this year. And, again, they're going to, you know, of course, um, coaching-wise, they've got a lot of playoff experience there. They do have a rookie uh, quarterback, I think, would have been at Buffalo. But like you said, New England beat them there before. Um, I still think, you know, even from the start of the season, Buffalo is one of the better teams. Now, they have struggled, and they've lost a couple that they should not have lost. But uh, I, I look for Buffalo to come out uh, here at home and play well. And I think talent-wise, they, they can just outmatch uh, New England a ways there. Um, again, it'll have to do with coaching. They'll have to uh, stop what worked for New England, you know, last time, which was the run. And um, But I, I, w- I would pick Buffalo. And, again, I think Allen, you know, can have a big game. And, again, their running game is, is, is not dominant. So, you know, the weather will affect a few things there in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm going to take Josh Allen over Mac Jones, and that's ultimately what this comes to. Belichick's the better coach in this setting, but um, Allen's the better quarterback. Buffalo has the better offensive talent. I think defensive-wise, talent-wise, they're relatively even, um, but uh, New England has had some really good defensive games this year as well. Uh, I just look at the talent level here, and I look, I, I just lean heavily towards Buffalo. I think that if New England can get in their head, that's one thing, right? Because Belichick can play head games, mind games with people. Um, but you're talking about a rookie quarterback. And again, he has some great college experience uh, at Alabama. But at the end of the day, I, I like I like Buffalo better in this game. The last time they played, Buffalo won 33-21. I think you're probably looking at a similar score for this round as well. I think Buffalo handles their business. Th- they are a legit Super Bowl contending team. That, uh, Buffalo is. I don't think New England is. I think they're close. I don't think they're far away. I think Buffalo is probably the the biggest contender com- uh, outside of Kansas City in the AFC. But they also have have really dropped the ball several times this year. So I'm not confident in picking Buffalo, but I, I believe that they are the team that should win this game. I think they're the most talented team, and they're the home team with a more experienced quarterback. So that's what I'll take too is Buffalo over New England. All right, Sunday's games. We start off the uh, day with Tampa Bay versus Philadelphia. Philadelphia with a first-year head coach, the only first-year head coach in the playoffs this year. Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Minshew maybe can see some snaps as well. Tampa, we talked about it last week. They're down now Antonio Brown. They're also down Chris Godwin. They have less talent than what they had earlier in the year. They are 13-4. and They've had a good season. And Philadelphia shouldn't be a big challenge for them as their Tampa's an eight and a half point favorite, but where do you look at this game? 
Yes, I mean, I think you have to pick Tampa in this one. Again, they are down a little bit, and I think um, the fact that they're not as good as last year will catch up with them before it's all all over, but I don't think it will this week. They should handle Philadelphia. Again, Brady, you know, is a great leader, and I think he'll have everybody ready to play. I think they are getting four net back this week, and um, I, I think, you know, you have to go with Tampa on this one, and they should win. Yeah, I think this one lies heavily on Tampa's defense. Um, if they let Jalen Hurts run all over them and uh, things all of a sudden stay close in this game, I mean, you'd like to, I, I, you would think Tom Brady can pull them out of a close game, but uh, Brady has proven that even though he's had a great season this year, his arm talent isn't quite where it was in the past. And uh, we saw him last year in the playoffs through, what, three interceptions, I think, in the NFC Championship game. They still won, but they won because of their defense. And uh, so they should win this game. I'm picking Tampa as well. But uh, Philadelphia is one of those weird teams where all of a sudden they have a crazy good night, and that's why they play the game, right? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out. All right. The afternoon game is Dallas and San Francisco. You've already made perfectly clear you don't have any confidence in Dallas. But do you have confidence in San Francisco? What's your pick for Dallas, San Francisco, and why? I've picked San Francisco, and I think they will outcoach them. Um, I think unless Dallas, when Dallas gets rolling, they can be hard to stop. And if they get going and, and get a lead, it could be tough. But I think if this comes down to a close game, I think Shanahan can win this. They have a good defense. Um, they play like they've always played. We're running the ball. And if they can be effective at all, because when you play San Francisco, you know, you can kind of contain them, but all of a sudden they'll break this long run or two. Um, Garoppolo has been a very good manager of the game. Um, you know, has not, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's lost a lot of games for him. Now, again, San Francisco barely got in at the end. Um, but I, for some reason, I think San Francisco, um, you know, we'll have a good shot at winning this game, especially if it stays close. If it's a close game, I think San Francisco will win. Yeah, Garoppolo is a game manager, no doubt, and that's not always a bad thing. But one thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, he throws untimely interceptions, and Diggs had 11 interceptions this year. I think this is a game that Garoppolo loses for San Francisco. I think that maybe they keep it close. They're in the game, and then Garoppolo does something that just absolutely blows it for him. He's thrown 12 interceptions compared to 20 touchdowns uh, this season. And at the end of the day, Dallas, in my opinion, is just too talented for San Francisco. Um, Not to say San Francisco cannot win, but I don't expect them to. I'm picking Dallas in this game uh, as well as with all the other home favorites, Listen, I agree with you. I understand the coaching situation and things like that. I just don't think San Francisco has the team. They've got one good offensive player healthy uh, and is even healthy, and that's Debo Samuel. So um, at the end of the day, Dallas, I think, wins this game. I think they win by at least a touchdown, uh, but uh, I've been wrong once or twice before. Uh, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. We talked about it slightly before. I don't think Pittsburgh even deserves to be in the playoffs. And I know you'd say, well, they're there, so they deserve to be there. That's baloney. Uh, they, they they won their last game, but they also tied uh, against, what, Detroit earlier in the year. I mean, they're not good. And yet here they sit in the playoffs facing Kansas City, 
who's the two seed. Um, somehow Tennessee pulled off the one seed. Kansas City, a 12 and a half point favorite. Is this game even close? No, it shouldn't be. Kansas City should control. If Kansas City's ready to make a run to the Super Bowl again, then they need to come out, really be rolling. Pittsburgh shouldn't be able to match up with them. I did see where it looks like Juju may come back this this week uh, and play. But again, um, you know, if their their defense should be able to get all over Roethlisberger, and that should be the end of it from there. So Kansas City should control this, um, and it'll set them up well to make a run if they do. Yeah, I mean, Juju has caught 15 catches in five games that he played, zero touchdowns. I don't think him coming back really does much for them. Their best receiver is Deontay Johnson. He's had a great year, but um, Najee Harris has had a great year as well. And he comes down to it, though, this Pittsburgh team just isn't good enough. Kansas City, I think they're the, the AFC favorites. Um, I, I picked them without any hesitation. The only thing that makes me think, I guess, would be Buffalo. But uh, at the end of the day, Pittsburgh's bad. Kansas City's good. At Kansas City, in the playoffs, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have it in him. Uh, Kansas City walks away with this game, um, in my opinion. All right, the last one is on Monday. Again, playing for the third time this season. The Rams and the Cardinals. The Rams a four-point favorite at home. Um, Arizona's getting some guys back uh, that are healthy as well. This is the hardest one for me to pick, Dad. Uh, which way did you go with the Rams and the Cardinals? Um, I think this will be the upset, I think, with Arizona. And there's just something wrong with the Rams. Um, I don't know what it is, but, you know, we, we had them as one of the power teams in the NFC. And something there is just not Master, you know, I've been shocked, um, you know, that, that the quarterback has struggled with interceptions here as of late. And, um, I, you know, again, Arizona should have all kinds of excitement. Now, they've had trouble, too, um, near the end of the year, but then they jumped out and they came back. And, again, you know, this would be Murray's chance to um, really look good, and he'll be the key in the game, I think, from there. But again, to me, they're just, I mean, I like, I like the Rams coach a lot. I think, you know, they've got a lot of talent, but they just, they haven't played. Something's not right there. And I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's some of the players they brought in, things just don't mesh well uh, or what it is. The The Cardinals have lost four of their last five games. They lost to the Rams 30 to 23. The Lions, 30 to 12, the Colts, 22 to 16, and the Seahawks, 38 to 30. That's the four losses they've had in the last five weeks. Uh, losing to Detroit, Indianapolis, and Seattle, who are not in the playoffs, and two of those teams had really bad years. You know, the confidence level for, and even though they're getting healthy to some degree and bringing guys back, you know, you go the other direction and, the Rams have won their last four games. They beat Arizona. They beat Seattle, Minnesota, and Baltimore. Now, Baltimore, Minnesota, Seattle, not in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, they've played equally bad teams, yet they have completely different records. Matt Stafford has not been as good as I thought he would be. Um, he doesn't have a great playoff record in his career. But here's the way I look at it, Dad. This is an opportunity for Kyler Murray to really begin his legacy. He can come out and have a phenomenal game, a 
phenomenal run in the playoffs because they have the talent. They should get Hopkins back, and if that's the case, that helps them out a ton. They got the running backs healthy as well. Uh, they got Zach Ertz that they brought in midseason. But they also have Cliff Kingsbury, and there's nothing that Cliff Kingsbury has ever done to make me go, yeah, he's going to be successful in the playoffs. And then you look at the other side, Sean McVay, he's been to Super Bowl with Jared Goff, of all people. Uh, so I look at this one, um, you know, the Rams aren't perfect. They don't have a great run game. They have talent on defense. So they haven't played great defense all season. And then they have talent on offense as well. So I lean the Rams, but this is the one I'm just not confident in because the Cardinals have the ability uh, to run all over uh, L.A. And whether or not they will is the question. So I'll go with the coaching matchup here and go McVay over Kingsbury, and ultimately I'm going to pick the Rams in this game. All right, there you go. Week one of the NFL playoffs. There we have given you the winners. We've agreed on most of them, but not all of them uh, as well. And we'll look at the uh, we'll watch uh, intensely here this weekend. One thing I want to let people know about is, Dad, our show is uh, going to TV. And starting on Monday, you can catch an all-new sports stove. And uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Tiki Live, the app that you can get on Roku TV or Apple TV. You go to Tiki Live, download the app for free, go to the search bar and search Belly Up. We'll pop up 7 o'clock in the mornings, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we'll replay the episode at 2 o'clock in the afternoons, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And we'll still have it available on the podcast form Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays as well. So uh, it'll be a great time. Make sure you tune in there. We've, we've added ColorCast to how we uh, produce the, the program now, and now we'll add TV as well and excited about that opportunity. Dad, let's talk about coaches and coaching changes uh, here in the NFL uh, that have come up. So right now we've got, what, seven teams, I think, Broncos, Jaguars, Bears, Vikings, Giants, Panthers, Miami, Las Vegas, and Houston. I think that's nine teams. No, uh, no. Although Las Vegas has not technically fired their coach or retained their coach or whatever it may be uh, just yet. So, Dad, I look at these teams. I want to start. The same names are coming up almost everywhere. Um, you're seeing Brian Dayball, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City's offensive coordinator. Uh, you're seeing a, a number of other names, but you're seeing uh, Caldwell's name come up, who coached in Indianapolis. Uh, Flores, Brian Flores' name has come up almost everywhere uh, other than Miami. Uh, Doug Peterson's name is there a lot. Then you got Leftwich and Bowles from Tampa that come up a lot as well. Is there somebody that you can think of that you go, boy, if I was going to hire a coach, my target would be this guy? Well, I think um, I think the best coach of the bunch stands out is Peterson. You know, he's won a Super Bowl. I think he's been a successful coach. Um, he would probably be the guy I would look at. Now, it's interesting, you know, these nine teams, um, you have to look a little bit at their situations because some of them are going to be a really total rebuild and, of course, in today's NFL, the question is, do you have your franchise quarterback? Um, four of these teams, maybe you could say five, have pretty strong quarterbacks. 
Uh, some have young quarterbacks that need to be developed. So you're Hold probably on. looking at a coach there from that, from that point. Um, to me, Peterson is a name that jumps off, but there's a lot of good coaches. Uh, there's much more, many more than nine, nine names that keep coming up really over and over that they're getting permission to talk to. What teams do you think have their quarterback? Um, I think uh, Jacksonville, you know, of course, um, you know, have, have potential. potential. Um, you have Las Vegas has a quarterback. Chicago, great potential in the quarterback. Minnesota has a quarterback. And potentially Miami, depends on where you come down with Tua and who comes in and how that works. All right. So, yeah, I don't think Minnesota – uh, or Miami have have a great quarterback situation. Now they could be worse, no doubt about it. Uh, but having Carr, I think Fields is definitely a, a great potential, and Lawrence. So I'd agree with you on those. I think uh, you know Minnesota they might even move on from Kirk Cousins here this off season, so they might not have that going forward. That's something that I have to be talked about as they look at hiring coaches. Uh, Peterson definitely is a is a great potential hire for somebody. I would definitely be one of my top candidates. Brian Flores is the guy for me. I look at and go, man, what he did in Miami, um, what he was able to do with that. I mean, that, that place was in chaos when he came in. Um, they had the rumors going around all year about Deshaun Watson possibly coming in. And even though they started 0-7, they ended the season phenomenally, almost made the playoffs. Um, almost doesn't count. I get it. But that being said, Brian Flores would be a guy that I would be I would be all over as well. I think Peterson and Flores are two guys that I would definitely bring in uh, to to interview. I'm going to run through these names real quick for you, Dad, and see if anything pops for you. Denver, uh, from what I've seen from Denver so far, they've got a long list of guys um, guys that have kind of made the the realistic shot of being the next head coach in Denver. Uh, Brian Callahan, he's currently offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. He has head coaching experience. Kellen Moore in Dallas, Dan Quinn in Dallas. Those names come up a lot as well. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, he's the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. Nathaniel Hackett, Green Bay OC, former Jacksonville offense coordinator. Jared Mayo, he's on the defensive staff in, in New England, played linebacker there for him as well. Todd Bowles in Tampa. Eberflus, his name comes up a lot too. He's in Indianapolis, uh, defensive coordinator. Brian Dayball and Leslie Frazier. So, uh, Frazier has some head coaching experience. Callahan does as well. All the other, and Todd, Pohl, Todd, Todd Bowles does. Todd Bowles is an interesting one, Dad. Um, he, he was head coach, uh, and didn't work out for him, but I feel like you give him another shot. He's a guy that I would definitely consider giving a second opportunity to, um, as well. So those are the names Denver's mentioned. Um, any of those names pop out to you that you thought, huh, didn't really think about them. Um, well, I mean, I kind of looked at all this to see who was there. And you know, like you said, the same names um, come up. I'm not as familiar with some of the coordinators like from Indianapolis and a couple places, but they do come up um, a lot there. Um, I'm always intrigued with someone who's uh, kind of grown up in football where their dad was a coach. And as I saw names, you know, Clint Kubiak was one that kind of jumped out there um, a, a little bit. But as far as the other ones, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of good candidates. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Historically, again, I missed this. I didn't think there'd be near this many coaching openings. And uh, we may not be done yet. Um, I think we probably are, but we will have to see. But, you know, once things start to fall, 
once a couple get filled, then all of a sudden it gets interesting because um, it gets to be. If, but again, there's a lot of candidates out there. Um, I think part of it is if, are you looking for an offensive guy or are you willing to hire a defensive guy and let him get a really good offensive coordinator as far as uh, working with some of these quarterbacks are concerned? So, um, but you know, a lot of good candidates. I think Leslie Frazier's a good candidate. Um, as I looked there, that's one that jumped out again, left, which I think is very interesting. You're right about Todd Bowles. I think he would be one that should get a job or at least be highly considered. You know, we talked last time about the enemy and that was kind of a surprise that he didn't get a, a job before. Um, and I think you'd either see him get one quickly or maybe he'll get passed over again because he should be one that um, if he's head coaching material, then there's a lot of openings here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And he's, you know, I look at these jobs. um, I want to go back to uh, Eberflus. You mentioned Indianapolis, DC. He got, he got interviewed by a lot of teams last year was a high, made it through a couple uh, rounds of interviews and stuff like that. So I think he's very close to getting a job. Um, Jacksonville, you know, we talked about them back when Urban Meyer got fired. I think Byron left, which makes a ton of sense for them. Uh, just being that he played for Jacksonville, he's had success in Tampa. Brady gives him a lot of credit, uh, as well. Hackett's kind of the same way, right? He was an OC at, and Jacksonville when they went to the AFC championship game with Blake Bortles as their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers has spoke very highly of Hackett and uh, what he's brought to the Packers as well. So those are names to watch. Doug Peterson, again, makes sense. They're young quarterback. Uh, Chicago, you know, Harbaugh's name has come up. I uh, came up, supposedly he wanted or was interested in Miami. Miami's not interested in him. Uh, but Chicago and Vegas are two two names that get brought up when you're talking about Jim Harbaugh coming over uh, as well. Uh, there was a name. Let me see if I can find it now. Let's see here. Uh, the Vikings, they've got Andre Patterson, who's their assistant head coach that they are interviewing. That's where Kubiak is at right now. So, you know, if he goes somewhere, uh, you know, Minnesota's a place to watch, but Denver's definitely a place with ties to the Kubiak family. Um, the Giants, uh, they're going to interview their defense coordinator, Patrick Graham, who came over from New England uh, as well. So that's another name to watch. The Panthers, uh, Carolina, the enemy seems to be the leader in the clubhouse there as far as who they want. Um, and then another name came up, Dad, and I'm not sure if you saw this. Two names popped up on the Carolina uh, um, candidate list that – not not official candidates, but a uh, list that surprised me. One was Adam Stenovich. Do you know who Adam Stenovich is? I do. I do. I had not seen that. Yeah, Packers offensive line coach. Um, uh, his name has been tied to the Panthers and the other one, dad is Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the question has been, will Pete Carroll be with Seattle? Will Russell Wilson be with Seattle? All that kind of stuff. So I thought that was really interesting there. Uh, Miami, some names, other names that popped up on Miami's list, Vance Joseph. He's the Arizona defensive coordinator. He'd be looking for a second opportunity. Uh, Mike McDaniel, who's the San Francisco offensive coordinator, and he interviewed with Miami. Uh, uh, I think it was Miami last time they were looking for a coach as well. And uh, so I thought that one was really interesting. But let's get to Houston. Well, before we get to Houston, of the jobs that are currently available, what's the best job? Um, 
I, I think just looking at it quickly would be Miami. I mean, with the way they, they, they finish this year and some of the talent they have, I think Miami would be a good job. I think as far as a potential quarterback, um, I think the Bears are an interesting job because I think Fields can really, really be good um, from there. And, of course, that's, that's got some stability to it, too. So I, those were the two that would jump out at me. Yeah, I think Miami and Minnesota. Now you look at the talent on Minnesota's team, right, with Justin Jefferson, uh, with Adam Thielen, with Dalvin Cook. There's potential there to turn things around pretty quickly, even if Kirk Cousins is still your quarterback. In Miami, you know I'm not a Tua fan. I don't think that he is a star. I think he's a fine, okay NFL quarterback, but I don't think he's a star. Uh, but I think there's tons of potential in Miami. I think that you could get um, a quarterback like a Deshaun Watson in there and things, again, could turn around very quickly. I don't think you have as too far to go in Miami. I mean, I think Flores had them uh, kind of at that point now where if they can get to that next level, then they're right where they want to be. So uh, those are interesting spots. The Raiders, they make the playoffs. Uh, Bis, uh, uh, how do you say his name? Bisaccia? 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 Um, is he going to retain his job in Vegas, or, or do you think they have to move on? I think it makes sense for him to stay. Um, oh, I mean, really? I mean, he's done a he's done a good job in a tough situation there. I think the players are for him. He knows the situation. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be a big turnover in a lot of ways. I think he. I'll be a little surprised if he doesn't retain his job. But you know, again, they may have somebody they're looking at that that you know they're ready to get. So it'll be interesting. The Lions love Dan Campbell. Do you think Dan Campbell's ever going to win a Super Bowl? Um, no. All right, that's so I go the same thing with the Raiders. I, he's done well. Don't get me wrong, and the players might like him. I don't see him being a coach that takes a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't see him being a team that 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 can build a program and and uh, you know keep things rolling there in the right direction. But you know what? They're probably going to get a new GM more than likely. I could be wrong. Maybe they keep Mike Mayock. But, uh, you know, you get through all this stuff, and and there's so much that has to go into it. I would be shocked if um, Bisaccia is the the coach of the Raiders come next year, especially with the kind of candidates that are out there. The the, the level of coaching that is available in this offseason is very, very high. Now let's get to Houston because – what a mess. Um, Houston is an absolute disaster. They fire Coley, who honestly, talk about players playing for a coach. I thought Texans played very hard this year. They were in some some games that they had no no right to be in. They won a couple games as well. Their rookie quarterback actually looked pretty good. And uh, they move on from their coach. And you talked about it. Well, maybe they do, maybe they do. And, and I really disagreed with you. But you were right. I was wrong. Um, would, why would anybody go coach at Houston right now? Well, it's, um, one, as you always hear, there's only 32 of these jobs available and that's what everybody wants. So, um, you know, Houston, the problem is, you know, they don't have any, you know, draft picks. Uh, there's a lot of things that were a problem there, but, um, I think, you know, you get somebody that can build something there. I would think, 
they want to look for, and they would need to get a coach who could attract free agents, a guy who's got some experience, who's got some connections, because uh, that's the only way they're going to rebuild real quick is to be able to sign, you know, sign some free agents and, um, and, and, and get the talent level built up. And so I think hiring a coach that has potential to do that um, is about the only way they can go. What about a coach that can get Deshaun Watson to play? Again, I, I you know I, I'm not convinced where the Deshaun Watson thing ends up ends up legally. Um, yeah, if, if he can play, then he, if he stays there, that changes things quite a bit. And um, yeah, a, a coach who could get him to want to be there again, um, you know, and and that may be very possible depending on 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 who they get. I don't think it's at all possible for Houston to land one of the top tier coaching candidates. Uh, none of those guys are going to pick Houston over the other other situations. Maybe if they're guaranteed that Deshaun Watson's going to play, they would, but that's not going to happen. Um, <coughs> he's going to play next year. Uh, he might get suspended for a few games. I don't think much is going to come legally of his situation, but he's definitely, you know, he wants to leave. And I don't know that there's a coach out there that can get him to stay. That being said, two names that I've heard for Houston, Pep Hamilton, uh, who has uh, has been around for a long time and uh, offensive-minded guy. And then Jared Mayo is the one that makes the most sense. He's a New England guy, which the front office is a New England people. Uh, and, and he's a guy that, you know, he's probably not going to get an opportunity to be a head coach this year or anywhere else. So Houston's a job that's open. Uh, he has some connection too. I think he's a good coach. He was a great player in college and a great player in the NFL until he got injured and, and ended his career short. He makes the most sense for me in Houston. Really, it comes down to someone who's desperate for a head coaching job. Someone who says, if I get offered a head coaching job, I'm going to take it. That's who ends up in Houston this year. I, don't, I just don't think these guys, Harbaugh, Peterson, Flores, Bienemy, Dayball, I don't think they want to go to Houston. And I think they'll hold out for other opportunities or go back to the situations they're in. I don't know for certain that Bienemy didn't turn down that job last year. I'm still convinced that Bienemy could have had the Houston job last year if he wanted it and ultimately told him, you know, I'm not coming into this place. Uh, so that's m- purely my opinion. I have no source. Um, that's my thought going into it, though, is is – Houston, you know, their their front office is, is atrocious. The guy there doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a GM. He's not. He didn't grow up that way. He's not uh, properly trained that way, and it's just a mess there. Houston, the way that they've handled their roster the last you know three years has been horrible. I can't imagine anybody wants to go there unless they just are great. You know, opportunity to try being a head coach somewhere. That's what makes the most sense there as well. And it'll be interesting to see what other names pop up there, candidates and things like that, uh, that pop up along the way. Again, I think Doug Peterson and Flores are the two guys that I look at and go, that's where where I would hang my hat at. Uh, But some of these other coordinators, um, you know, Biennemi, Dayball, Hackett, uh, you know, Bowles, Leftwich, those kind of guys, you know, I think they're good candidates. And I think there's, there might be better candidates this year for coaching opportunities than there've been in a while. 
And, uh, you know, hey, we haven't heard Matt Nagy's name pop up. Maybe he ends up going somewhere and being a head coach. Um, but <laughs> you don't know. Uh, let's go back to something you talked about. Hiring an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach. I think it, at this point, there's so much talent out there it doesn't you buy you hire the best guy that can handle a locker room and then you expect him to hire the right people so if he's a defensive minded coach you go out there and you spend big money on an offensive coordinator if he's a if he's an offensive minded coach then you go out and spend big money on a defensive coordinator there's just too much talent out there right now in the coaching world to overlook uh or to pass up a good locker room guy for someone because they they like to throw the football you know um, everybody was looking for the last Sean McVay, the next Sean McVay in the last round of hires, last couple round of hires. I mean, just go out and find you a guy that can can relate to players and uh, guys like Dan Campbell that can relate to players. But you got to make sure you have the right staff around them to make it successful everywhere else as well. All right. I love this time of year, Dad. Coaching carousel is a fun time to talk about uh, as well. Uh, two quick things, and then we'll head out for today's episode. Uh, college football playoff expansion is in trouble. Uh, they announced that they have not been able to come to an agreement, so they've, they've tabled the conversation for now. Uh, surely they're going to come back around and have a playoff expansion, don't you think? Oh, I would think so. And, you know, as I've heard talk this week, I mean, the bottom line is, that, you know, they're there's they're just too much money involved in it. I think having a playoff is good anyhow. I think having more teams in it, um, I think they're going to have to rework this bowl thing anyhow. And I think having more teams using more bowls um, and you know, even if they have on-campus sites, I think all that will help. Um you would, you would, from what I understand, there's, I don't know if there's opposition to, um, or what I've heard is there's opposition to expansion. It's just they can't agree on how to do it or how many teams, um, or the structure of some of the bowls or what's going to happen with the Rose Bowl or whatever. They just don't, can't get enough details. That's because there's too many people involved in it. But, um, anyhow, um, surely they're going to, you know, they'll get this worked out. Yeah, yeah, they, they've got to come around. Last thing I want to hit on, Dad, is Major League Baseball. Uh, Lester announced he's retiring. Congratulations to a good career for him. Uh, but they they finally came to the table. It didn't go well. Uh, they came, the MLB put out an offer to the Players Association, which they, uh, according to reports, did not take well. But I also read that nobody expected them to take it well. So now the question is, is how long till the Players Association – comes back with a counter offer. Um, you know, it's been said that the start of, of training camp, spring training, is uh, definitely in question at this point. I still think we're relatively safe for the start of the season, but, um, you know, Major League Baseball has uh, failed over and over and over again, and, you know, I don't expect anything great out of them. Players Association is going to have to handle the, the major part of this this negotiation and uh, and then go from there on that. But baseball, hopefully, will be up and going here in a couple months and uh, before it's too late and we start missing a bunch of baseball. We've talked about how poor baseball handles things in the past, so we won't rag on them too much today, uh, but we'll get back to that in the coming months for sure. All right, Dad, uh, we're wild card weekend, 
Saturday, Sunday, Monday will be a good time. Lots of lots of enjoyment. We'll watch to see who the Packers play. Uh, three of the opponents that the Packers could end up playing, they've already played this season. Um, and then Philadelphia is the one team that they possibly could play that they haven't played. Uh, boy, would I be happy if Philadelphia wins in week one. But um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, your Super Bowl prediction is? Um, it would be Green Bay and Buffalo. I had a feeling you'd go that direction. I'll go Green Bay and Kansas City uh, uh, this year as my picks. But it wouldn't be surprised if Tampa made it. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas made it. I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo made it. Uh, everybody else, I think I'd be surprised. But uh, nonetheless, there it should be a fun time and a good opportunity there as well. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Follow us on social media at Sports Stove on Instagram and Twitter. Catch us uh, all now. We'll have three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, available in podcast form wherever you get your podcast, and also available on uh, Tiki Live, the app on Roku TV and Apple TV. And eventually we'll have an easier way for you to get to it. But for now, you go to Tiki Live app. You go to the search and do belly up in the search. Belly up logo will pop up. Click on that. If you're on there at seven o'clock in the morning between seven and eight, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, I'll be on your TV and then uh, get replayed at two o'clock as well. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Enjoy your great weekend of pro football, playoffs, college basketball, and anything else in between. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove. Podcasting is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Introducing the science of a podcast hosted by Spreaker from iHeart. This weekly podcast looks at the many sides of the podcasting industry from success, growth, and technology to the varying challenges we all face. This is one podcast about podcasting you don't want to miss. New episodes launch every Tuesday. Listen to the science of a podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.